And now it's time for the TOT Cast with your hosts, Chris O'Kranitz and Ryan Greco. Welcome to this episode of the TOT Cast. Of course, I'm Ryan Greco. I'm being joined here by Chris O'Kranitz. Chris, uh, what a weekend it was in Toronto, wasn't it? It was actually a lot of fun. The All-Star Game, I think, was one of the better ones we've ever experienced. Uh, not just personally, but a lot of people that were here said this was one of the better games they've ever been to. So, hell of a weekend. And it, it's funny you mention that. I mean, you know, a new record was set with the West scoring 196 points. Possibly we also saw what could be argued as one of the best dunk-offs we've seen Saturday in NBA nights, history. Saturday nights, one of the oh, best yeah. Saturday nights. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we even had a chance to see some of the younger pl- uh, kids play while all the All-Stars and celebrities were in town at the Jordan Grand Invitational. Yep. Rising Stars Challenge on Friday as well. I mean, just a whole lot going on in the city. And it was uh, it was one of the better uh, basketball weekends I think you could ever have in in the history of Toronto, really. Yeah, I mean, the game as a whole was no defense, but I do nope. think one thing to mention about the game was that one could argue it's kind of a transition towards what the game is becoming. A lot of perimeter threes, a lot of layups or dunks. Like All, all you saw was basically five feet and in or three-point line and out. That's mm-hmm. all you saw the shots being, and that's kind of what the Golden State Warriors have been playing recently. And I think that's something that we're going to see a lot more of going forward. We're not going to see 83s in the game like we saw from the West. That's absurd. It's basically, <laughs> it's, it's just pickup, man. It was a pickup game. Yeah. But aside from the game, man, for, for having a really cold weekend, the city was <laughs> city was buzzing. There's a lot of things going on. There's a lot of people there. You had the Jordan store on Young Street. Yeah. You had even at Roundhouse Park, the little built thing there with Usher and Gwen Stefani. There was, there was just stuff going on everywhere. And yes, everybody was bitching about the cold. And I, I don't blame them. It no, was, no, it was ridiculous. It was like a that, tundra. It was the coldest it's ever been all, all, all winter. And it, it's, it was annoying hearing the Americans complain about it. When we're all sitting here standing on the top of our chairs screaming, it's not been this cold yeah. at all. You don't understand. It hasn't <laughs> been like this all year. It's been mild. Exactly. But I mean, look at the fan expo where they had it going on down there. And there was tons of people still, even oh. for the cold weather. So that was that was promising. But... Of course. Moving forward from what was one hell of a weekend, this four-day break we have is kind of good because it builds up towards the All-Star, towards the trade deadline, which takes place on Thursday afternoon at 3 p.m. Raptors are kind of an interesting spot. They're literally a LeBron James injury away from being the Eastern Conference favorites. So with that being said, do you go all in like some are suggesting, or do you make a minor deal, or what do you think the Raptors should do going forward here? Well, there's two schools of thought right now. There's... There's a part of the fan base that is screaming that they want an upgrade either at the post or at the perimeter. Mostly at the perimeter, despite what the Raptors already have there. Um, And then there's also the school of thought that says, you know, we have a good team already as it is. Let's just see how this team rolls and see how it performs in the playoffs and then work into free agency. So, I mean, there's from what I've been hearing from a lot of fans, it's kind of divided in a sense. Where there's, there's, there's just as many people screaming to say, you know... We should probably just leave it the way it is. And as much as people on the other side want there to be a deal, what kind of deal is there to be had, really? Mm, there's a couple options they have. Uh, for me, I think upgrading the power forward position is an obvious spot that everybody has been crying about. But if that's not possible, I would strongly, strongly advise for going to get somebody who can defend the perimeter. Mm-hmm. They've been getting crunched from threes all season. Like it's That's been one of their Achilles heels. So why not get somebody that could defend it? I know that's supposed to be Damari Carroll. Yeah. But given his health status throughout the year and the battling through injuries, why not get another person as insurance? Absolutely. And even if it's somebody that can shoot the three a little bit as well, that, that's always a bonus. But when you look at this team and you examine the payroll going up and down the list here, they're kind of set in stone with what they can do. What I mean by that is you got Damari Carroll, who's making the most money. 
he's not going anywhere. Mm-hmm. You got DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, they're not going anywhere. No one's going to even want to take on those contracts unless there's something in return that's yeah. major. Yeah, it's got to be major. Then you got JV and Terrence Ross, who people love to point to as players that can be traded. But the issue with them is they have the poison pill in their contract, meaning that, yes, their salary is cheap this year, but their new deals don't kick in until next year. So when those kick in, that's a lot of money you got to pay as a team receiving them. And in order to make a trade go through as part of the CBA, even money has to be distributed back and forth. So if the Raptors want to trade JV or Terrence Ross, it's got to be damn near close to equal salary coming back. That's the only way they can trade those kind of guys. Then you got two really good trade pieces, but players I don't think they would trade, which is Corey Joseph and Patrick Patterson. Those are two guys that you can move that are, quite frankly, affordable contracts and good players that teams can take back. They're probably their best trade assets next to their picks. But are you going to trade those guys? Since January 1st, the Raptors are 15-4, and four, and a big reason for that has been the play of Patterson and Joseph. Absolutely. Then you go a little further down the list here, and you got guys like you got the prospects. You got Bebe, Bruno, DeLon Wright. I'm not even gonna mention Anthony Bennett, but you got no, he's, yeah, he's he's his, got his no value's value. done. Like look at what we were able to sign him for. Yeah, and literally a veteran's minimum. Well, I wouldn't even be upset after the trade deadline if they kind of cut him and re-sign him to a D League deal just to open up that roster that roster spot. Mm-hmm. That's that's an option they have as well. Then you got James Johnson, who's on an expiring deal. Then you have Luis Scola, also an expiring deal. Then you got Bismack Biombo, who's got a player option for next year. Mm-hmm. He's not going anywhere. No, he's been he's been too vital throughout the season, especially when Valanciunas was injured. He stepped up like few expected him to, and really filled in that role, and also gave the Raptors a much needed a de- defensive presence yeah. in the paint that is still kind of wanting when Valanciunas is on the floor. No, it's true. And to kind of give a long winded answer to what you were asking earlier, who somebody I think the Raptors can acquire or something they can go after is a player that makes roughly $6.5 bucks <laughs> in that range, just money-wise, just because that wouldn't require them to cut ties with somebody who makes big money on their team. Yeah. It's something that they can move a James Johnson in a pick and take a player back, but it can't exceed that $6.5 million threshold just because once you exceed that, you got to start moving players that make money, which is going to be a core guy like a Patterson, mm-hmm. potentially a Terrence Ross if a team has the kind of money to take him back. So it gets really complicated after that. And something we were discussing off the air is, do you mess with chemistry? Do you take the risk of mid-season going all in like this and saying, you know what, let's dish out some players that make good money, some core pieces here, and try and make it work? Because something Messiah Jury said a couple months back on um, on the radio was how, off the top of his head, only Rasheed Wallace and Clyde Drexler are two players to be traded at the deadline and win a title. You hardly win a title by trading for a player at the deadline to put you over the top. It doesn't happen often. So is it worth doing that? I mean, what do you think? I think that it's certainly not something that is worthwhile in the long run of things. Um, I think the one thing you you definitely always have to keep in mind is that, you know, watching the Raptors play this season. I've had an opportunity to watch a lot of Raptors games this year as well as last year. This team just looks so much more solid. It doesn't look like it panics against the good teams. This is a team that believes that it can beat anyone when it steps on the floor with the guys that they have available right now. And I think that says something. One other thing that you can appreciate about, not necessarily the genius of Masai, but just the way that he runs his business is a lot like what we saw with a now former GM in Toronto, Alex Anthopoulos. Meaning, if you hear his name in trade rumors, it's probably not going to happen. Meaning that he's the kind of guy that, he's a former executive of the year. This is a guy who turned 
nothing in the post Carmelo and uh, sorry in the post Carmelo Anthony era in Denver and was able to create a respectable competitive Denver team that made the Western Conference playoffs at a time when it was so difficult to make the playoffs and there were you needed at least what was it you needed at least what forty five to fifty wins to just get into the playoffs yeah, at that time? It was time. competitive, exactly. And and this is a guy who's shown the history that he has the capability of getting that kind of level of success. And I think it's something that should be trusted. I totally agree with that. But I think other GMs around the league are somewhat leery of him when you consider his history of fleecing teams. Like he fleeced James Dolan. Yeah, he fleeced the Kings. <laughs> yep. But you don't know that until you actually go through the trades. I mean, I'm sure you can look back and find ones he's whiffed on, too, but that's the way it works. I do think he's more savvy than Alex Anthopoulos in the sense of he's consistently savvy. Yeah. I kind of feel like AA hit the jackpot this year in terms of literally going all in and everything working out to the way it did. So I feel like Masai is a step above in terms of just being consistently good. Plus, he also has to work with a a salary cap. Yep. And now, even though people can argue, oh, well, you know, Rodgers is only going to spend so much money, at the same time, though, if they saw a chance for a title contender, they went for it. Whereas the Raptors, that level of parity just isn't there as it is in baseball, in a sense. You can make that argument because there's just not as many moves that can be made given the salary structures of all these contracts, given the salary cap in the league. There's, even with it increasing, there's, there's so many other intangibles that go into trying to make a deal at the NBA trade deadline that you may not necessarily had to have dealt with in Major League Baseball. So No, and here, you know what? Since you're talking about the salary cap a bit, let's get into players the Raptors can take back. So per the rules of the CBA, the Raptors are a team that's over the cap and under the tax threshold, meaning they can take back 100, 150% of the salaries they dish out. So they can take back quite a, quite a bit of money depending on who they deal. Do you do your due diligence and call about a guy like DeMarcus Cousins, Dwight Howard, um, Mello, you know, the superstar guys, DeMarcus Cousins, yeah. do, you, do you bother? And you know what? You make that call, but even the guy on the other end knows you're not serious. Yeah, I think you just call to find out maybe if you can get involved as a three-team or four-team deal where he'd be like, hey, we can maybe coop some pieces off of a bigger deal here. That's a good I point. I think that's something they could possibly do. Yeah. But if there's one guy that I, I feel like doesn't quite fall into the superstar category but mm-hmm. is on the cusp is Al Horford. And I think he's somebody that the Raptors, if they were to hypothetically go all in, is somebody that would be worth going all in for. I have a question for you. Um, what's a guy like Bruno Caboclo now worth on the trade market if you're going to add him into any kind of deal, like for a guy like Horford or for a guy like Markeith Morris, as an example, even though I know he has been kind of ruled out as an option for the Raptors? Yeah, I don't... What, 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 would, what would a guy like Bruno be worth? Um, a kicker? <laughs> I don't like think a Corver? No. I don't no. even think he's worth that. I think Del- DeLon Wright has way more value than Bruno. Bruno's a project, right? Like yeah. he's so young still, and he's still so raw that I feel like that's kind of like a thing that Masai doesn't want to give up on. Yeah, because that was it's almost his pet project. In a yeah, sense. yeah, a little bit, right? <laughs> I feel like it is a little bit of his he's... pet project where he drafted him. He kind of overdrafted him. A lot of people they were shocked. Yeah, it's true. So, everyone, everyone, everyone was. It's true because it's you look at a guy at that kind of length. If he ever learns to play any kind of well, I mean, he does play defense. Like he's been showing that. Like I. I and the opportunities that I've had to speak with uh, some of the people down at the Raptors 905 that they've said is that he's coming along. It's it's really just his mental game more than anything. Yeah, he's young, man. He's, what, 20 years old? Yeah. He's so, got all the athleticism in the world. He's got all the ability. And I, but I think that's that's part of the reason why I wanted to bring up his name as an option because I'm sure there's other people around the league who may be paying attention to that in the D-League at the very least and saying, eh, he's worth a flyer. But I don't think – but that's that's – Honestly, that's not the kind of deal you want to make. It's it's one of those kind of deals where it's like, let's make a trade just for the sake of making a trade. And that's something Masai definitely doesn't do. No, and he has one of the things Masai seems to be enamored with since he got here, and that's length. <laughs> Masai loves his wingspan and his length. And all the moves he's made, 
generally have guys that have that. Yeah. <laughs> For all you listeners out there, I was just flapping my wings like a bird. We, he's got those long, long, long arms. Albatross wings. Right? <laughs> so, okay, here then. Let's get back to if you go all in and you go grab, let's say, Al Horford. Yes. Is the core of Horford, Lowry, and DeRozan going forward enough to not only be consistently competitive in the East, but win the East? Not if you get rid of a guy like Corey Joseph off the bench or a guy like uh, Patterson coming off the bench or a guy like Biombo coming off the bench. Well, I don't think you would. I think you'd have to get rid of somebody like... let's Dallin? just Well, DeLon Wright would have to be part of a package to get Horford. I think you'd have to do something like a Patterson, James Johnson, DeLon Wright, uh, this year's first-round pick, that is the Knicks or Nuggets pick, and a future, something like that. Like It'd have to be enough where you could get Horford plus maybe let's throw in Kyle Korver. But yeah. the picks the Raptors have, which is... They have a first this year. They have a first again this year. That mm-hmm. is the Knicks and Nug- the Knicks and Nuggets, a lower pick. Yeah. Then they have next year. They have a protected first, which is the Clippers, and they have their own first. They have four first round picks in the next two years. So that's definitely something that's going to be a tre- intriguing to teams like in Atlanta. And here's the interesting concept with that, though: is do you want to trade one of those picks, or do you want to roll the dice with whatever that player is going to end up being, depending on how well the the uh, Knicks and the Nuggets or how terrible they do at the end of the season. And the thing you also have to take into account with that, though, is that are those players going to be good enough by the time that Kyle Lowry is just exiting his prime? Right now, he's already 29, heading up for 30. He's only got a couple more years at this kind of level that he's playing at. By that time, are those picks going to be worth it, or should they be used right now? Well, then he's going to need a new contract too, Lowry, right? That's the other other side of the coin here is that if you feel like he's going to be slowly getting out of his prime... You have a window now. That's three years. Technically, three years. I'll put it three years. Yeah. But you can maybe stretch out to five, depending on what happens with DeRozan, because he's looking like he's going to be finally the superstar we all thought he could be. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, I would kind of keep the Knicks and Nuggets pick, because it's a valuable it's a valuable piece. It's a valuable asset, and you don't know what it's going to be. The unknown part of it is that, let's just say the Knicks and the Nuggets sell everything at the deadline here. That's very unlikely to happen, but let's just say some mellow deal comes out of left field and the Nuggets trade for Reed, Gallinari, Will Barton. Dude, I'm I'm pulling for that to happen, but let's just say it does and the tank happens for both those teams. The Raptors have an outside shot of getting the second to fifth pick in the lottery. That could be like a Jamal Murray, let's say, who's somebody that would be home homegrown home homegrown. Yeah. Could fill the Lowry Lowry role once Lowry's old enough. Like that's just like a hypothetical situation here. Yeah. But there's a lot of good players that they could definitely draft and develop. So I'd almost hang on to that pick unless you were going to be able to acquire an Al Horford or somebody who you feel could get you over the top. That's it. Oh, it's 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 a good point. It's a good point because, and the the other thing, hell, <laughs> somehow some way, if they could figure out that that trade is ha- is happening before the deadline, how much more valuable does that pick become in the final hours of the trade deadline? Exactly. That's another thing too. Is that. Let's say Melo gets dealt, I don't know, 11 a.m. on Thursday morning. Yeah. Well, holy crow, that pick just changed drastically. Yep. And you let's say the Nuggets make a trade. Yeah, like everything could change. And then on the contrary, though, that could be even more valuable to the Raptors where it's like, we don't need to deal this pick anymore. This thing, this thing has a lot of legs to it. We can make exactly. it work for our franchise going forward. The best thing about keeping these first-round picks is you get these rookies on an entry-level contract which is significantly cheaper, it's controllable, you automatically get that player's bird's rights from when you draft them. It's just a lot of control that you may not want to part ways with at an early part of a player's career, or for a team that's entering a stage where the salary cap is going to become a little bit more tougher to manage. Absolutely, and how rare is it 
where you are going to get the opportunity to have a top pick but still have a star that wants to be there and the Raptors competing at a top level. How often do you get to see that for a team that's not named the San Antonio Spurs? Yeah, that was crazy when they won the lottery back then. Yep. And hell, even the people they've been able to bring aboard since then. And even look at a guy like Corey Joseph and what he's developed into. It was really a sink or swim moment for him a couple of seasons ago, and now here he is having career numbers. And hell, you could even make the argument that at some point, if he if he puts it all together, uh, he could be the guy that could succeed Kyle Lowry at that's some point. That's a good point. That's a good you know, point. Keep in mind, he's only, heck, what, 20, he's 25 coming up for yeah. 26? He's still pretty young, and why not? Like, I think he's got at least eight years left in him. Seven eight years at, yeah. at a high level. Actually, sorry, I think he's twenty four. Yeah, I think he's twenty four. Yeah, he's only ninety one, yeah. kid. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, he's got quite a bit of quite a bit of time left to play. Right. Only one year in college. I mean, what more could you ask for? Well, you know what? Let's go through a little bit of these Raptors rumors that we've been hearing recently. Uh, yes, two in particular: Thad, Thaddeus Young for the Nets and Markeith Morris. Markeith Morris, I think you know how I feel about him. I think that's an absolutely no go deal for the Raptors. Yeah, he's a suck. He only plays when he wants to play. There's just a lot of issues with him. Talent's never a question. Ever since his days at Kansas, this, this dude can ball. Yeah. Him and his brother Marcus can... They're, they're really good players. But Markeith has to be happy for Markeith to play well. And you want to bring somebody in here who... Some some people that are very close to the Raptors that follow them on a daily, like a Doug Smith, like um, a lot of other like beat writers around the city have said, there's players in the Raptors organization that aren't exactly the biggest fans of Markeith Morris. Do you want to bring somebody in who people in the locker room don't like because yeah. he's talented? I, I And especially the way Messiah Jury values character, I can yeah. never see them going after Mark Keefe. I can't. And, and not only that, though, but you also got to look at it and the entire landscape of the NBA. You can't win with hotheads anymore. It's just It's become such a team concept, such a team-based game, despite all of the individual superstardom. The teams that are winning, the teams that are consistently good, everyone's starting to realize, oh yeah, it'd be great to have a Boogie Cousins. It'd be great to have a Markeith Morris. But at the end of the day, you need a cohesive unit that likes each other now. It's not just, oh well, you know, we're all really good, so let's all just play together and just try and get along. It doesn't work like that anymore. You need it when you're going up against a cohesive unit that trusts each other. And that's a main key. If you're going to have a guy who's a hothead, how are you... Or when are you ever going to be able to trust that guy at work? I mean, look at it for yourself. I mean, you go into work, punch in the clock nine to five every single day, and you see that guy that, how are you supposed to work well with whatever guy across the room if you can't trust him? No, I completely agree. I do think Boogie, though, could work because, let's face it, Sacramento is a tire fire. Yeah. Like, that's got to be a tough place to play. And it's got to be. On a Especially with a, with a teammate like Rondo. And even yeah, a coach a like... Well, you know what though, George Carl is a good coach. Yeah, I just feel that there's there, there's definitely something there that's rotten. George George Carl works best when George Carl gets to do what George Carl does. Yeah, George Carl's won a lot of games, so and, George Carl can yeah. do what George Carl wants to and do. That's the, and that's <laughs> and that's the issue, right? You've got a lot of guys who are coming into that situation, and for for some reason, un, ungodly reason, I don't know why, but they just don't they just can't seem to trust their coach for some reason. Even despite the fact that they've been kind of pulling it together, they have their moments of, of glory, I guess you could say. They show signs that, oh, you know what? These guys can actually be pretty good if you give them a chance. Yeah. And then they just implode on themselves again because I need I need to be able to, to call the player. I need to be able to do what I need to do. And it's just, I mean, it's a shame how in the NBA in general, a lot of guys just don't seem to be able to trust the establishment anymore. No, and I feel like that's a whole nother deep issue with the way that player development has gone on. Yeah. And I'm not talking at the NBA level. I'm talking long before that. Yeah. Some would point at the AAU and all our stuff, but that is a whole entire other topic. 
to kind of not stream too far off here. Yes, let's. Uh, Mar- Keith Morris is uh, he's somebody I just think again is a non-option for the Raptors. Plus, he has pending charges that are probably he'll probably settle on something. But the fact that there's yeah. still pending charges there is an issue. Mm-hmm. And look at his game. Let's let's look past the character here and let's look at his game. How the hell would him and Demar Derozan fit together when they're they're two guys that if they don't attack the rim they settle for law long twos. Mm-hmm. You want guys that settle for law long twos. I'd rather have just DeRozan doing that because it's DeRozan. That's our guy, you know? Yeah. And he's he's improved. Whereas Markeith Morris, it's kind of like, we don't need that. No. And one, you got a guy who's character issue. Guys in the locker room don't like him. Two, you're taking long twos. Guys are going to get fed up with that, especially if you have an off night and you start clanking. They're not going to be working as hard on the offensive glass. They don't want to deal with that crap. Yeah, because those are long boards. They're no longer the short boards. Absolutely. If you're a shooter, you know when you miss, you miss long. That's generally how it works. Exactly. So... And you don't play defense that and, well. And nobody <laughs> and, and let's let's keep one thing perfectly clear. Nobody follows their shot in the NBA. No. And I haven't even gotten to his salary cap hit yet. So again, Markeith Morris, cross him off the list. Yeah. So what about Thad Young? He's another a guy that's been rumored to go to the Raptors. Um, apparently the Raptors have kicked the tires. There was a report yesterday coming out about that. For me, I feel like he's not a fit on this team either. He's a horrendous three point shooter. Sure, he he's clipping thirty percent this year, but the the Nets as a whole, off the top of my head, I'm pretty sure they're shooting twenty eight percent, twenty nine percent on the season. Somebody's got to score those points. Yeah, so and it's Thaddeus Young this year. Does that make him a good player? I think he's an okay player, but I don't think he fits this team. And yeah. to what you were saying earlier, how many rumors go around that you hear about the Raptors and Masai Jury actually come to fruition? I'll I can't wait. think of yeah, one. I can't think of. One I actually either. can't think of one off the top of my head. It's yeah. always been a we got who. Yeah, how'd that happen? Literally. <laughs> it's it's always been like that. It'll you never you never hear about it. So, so he, he runs a very tight ship, Messiah, yeah. and I, I just don't see how Thaddeus Young being rumored out there is gonna all of a sudden come to the Raptors. Like if you're the Raptors, what do you even give? Alright. Well here's a guy that's off the radar, so I guess it kinda plays up to Messiah Jerry. A guy like Kyle Corver, what's he worth to the Raptors? Well I think the only way you could get him is in a deal with a Horford, let's say. Because really, I view Corver kind of as a supplementary piece where he's not somebody that you're just going to go get just to shoot threes because he's not even doing that that well this year. I think his legs are kind of fading him a bit where his defense has dropped off and the three-point shooting that we've known him for mm-hmm. isn't quite there. So to match his cap hit and to get him, I don't know what they would have to give up to actually make it work where it's worth it. That's the thing with Corver, in my opinion. I mean, what do you think with Corver? you think he's... Actually, where's somebody going to get? I, I don't think he is unless it's as part of a deal, like a bigger deal. Yeah, I think the only way that we would ever get a guy like him would be if we had, a, I guess, in a sense, some insurance of having a, an even better player joining the team. Because as you said, he's having uh, it's one one of his worst seasons in the last couple of years. But you can also always make the argument that you know he's just having a down year. Maybe he just needs a change of scenery to kind of get himself back in, or maybe just gives himself an opportunity to create a little bit more spacing, even though it's been said that he's had as much spacing as he's wanted here. And honestly, at the end of the day, being one of the best shooters that have been in the league the last, I don't know, five seasons at least, he's a guy that, by the looks of it, and you know this about shooters, Chris, it could really just be a mental thing for him. Yeah. And then we, you know, we've discussed off the air about how his legs could be leaving him as well, and it's also part of the reason why his defense has been suffering, suffering and lacking a little bit as well. And you can't afford to have that leave you in the NBA, especially if you're a guy who's only a spot up shooter, really, more or less. And 
you know, at the end of the day, I just feel like having a guy like that, another veteran presence that can step up and hit big shots at some point would be helpful. But overall, as you said, it's it's really not something that would be worth – it wouldn't be worth giving up what we have for a guy like that unless we were getting also another better player in return as well. I'd rather see the lineup be Lowry, Joseph, DeRozan, Carroll, and let's say Biombo if you're going to play small ball as opposed to Lowry, DeRozan, Corver, Carroll, Biombo, or JV. Mm-hmm. I'd much rather see the first as opposed to the latter. So that's why I don't think Corver fits here, but I think a team like Cleveland would be somewhere that would definitely pursue him just because – they're all in. Yeah. They're all in for the rest of LeBron's <laughs> livelihood. Let's be real. And it's interesting you brought that up uh, off the air as well. Literally, the Raptors are one LeBron James injury away from being favorites to win the East right now without any kind of change to their roster. Yeah, and if I'm the Raptors, I only try and make a trade with three teams in mind. The Cavs. Obviously, because you got to win your own division, you got to win your own conference if you're going to get to the finals, anyways. And yep. if you're going to do it, you got to go through the Cavs. Yep. And then the Warriors and the Spurs. That's it. Find ways that you can get better to compete with those three teams. That's why I'm kind of, I don't want to say dead set, but very, very. I can't think of like a good word to use here, but I'm. I just I, I'm fully committed to believing that they should go get somebody that's a good wing defender because you look at those three teams, they all have one thing in common. LeBron James, Draymond Green, Kawhi Leonard. Three elite wing players mm-hmm. that if you if you want to compete with them, you got to stop those three first. And then, you, then you'll have a chance. They're the cog in the machine for all three of those yeah. teams. You know Steph and Clay are going to just do what they want to do. They're going to have their points. But if you can slow down Draymond and take away certain pieces and let, like let's say, Lowry and Curry just kind of duke it out and yep. exchange blows, you got a puncher's chance. With Absolutely. Cleveland, if you can slow down LeBron James and make Kyrie and Kevin Love beat you, I'm all for that. Absolutely. Let's let's go. Let's let's dance right <laughs> now, man. Because LeBron's the one guy in the East that can literally just take over a series and win, and there's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, you can just try and slow him down. Absolutely. And then there's that fourth team as well. We have to keep in mind, no matter what way we slice it. Yeah, the Bulls. The Bulls. Hate mentioning them. Hate bringing them up, even considering the fact that they're having such a uh, a, a difficult season. We'll leave it at that. Uh, that's a team that no matter when we face them, no matter what's going on in their lives, they still have our number. Which I hope is something the Raptors could kind of exercise their Bulls demons come playoff time. Because that's a team, when they're healthy, they're competitive. But it's a team I think the Raptors can, can beat, no problem. Yeah. For Jimmy, Leaf fans out there, it's almost <laughs> it's almost like watching the Senators and Leafs go at it back in the early 2000s. The Leafs just had their number even when they had no business beating them. Yeah, and I hope that kind of reverses come playoff time if the two yeah. teams do meet. Um, one player I think the Raptors kind of under the radar can go acquire that isn't being talked about a lot, is Terrence Jones from the Rockets. The Rockets are in this very, very precarious state where they, they, they don't know what the hell's wrong with them. They think it's Dwight Howard. They think it's James Harden. Like There's, there's differing opinions out there. It's probably of what it both. Is. Yeah, I think it's probably both <laughs> it's as well. It's got to be both. It's got to be both because it doesn't make any sense what's no. happening there. No. no. Yeah, there's no reason that team should be as bad as it is. So why not go swoop in and try and get a guy like Terrence Jones? He's a good four. He can kind of stretch the floor a bit. He plays good defense. He bangs on the glass. Um, his best friend is Terrence Ross. Yeah. So, you know he's probably going to get along with guys in the locker room. Why? I think he'd be a good fit. He's an expiring contract too, so you don't have to commit to the long term. And the best part about it is, almost nobody's talking about this deal, which means it actually has out of all the the deals we've discussed on this podcast today, that's what that's the one that's most likely of actually happening. I, I can see it honestly happening because Just, think about the cost too. It's expiring, so. James Johnson, a future first, and I think that's enough right there. Yeah. 
for an expiring guy like Terrence Jones. Now, mind you, the Rockets are hell-bent, apparently, if you read around Twitter and rumor reports and all sorts of stuff, on trading Dwight Howard. So if that does happen, Terrence Jones' value shoots up. Yeah. Especially for the Rockets, because they're high on him. But another guy there that's kind of not doing a lot is Mona Yunus. He's a long-term piece. The Lithuanian community would be ecstatic if we added another one on the team. Oh, yeah, of course. But he's a guy that can kind of stretch the floor a bit. May not be the greatest defender, but he's an interesting piece going forward in the future. I mean, maybe he's somebody the Raptors could go explore, too. He's hurt right now, but that's more of like a future ad than well, it they, is. They've, they've shown in the past with guys like Klaza that they're not afraid to go out there and get the big Lithuanians that can spot up and play play physical. And that's something that all those types of players are always known for to well, a certain extent. If he turns out like Linus Klaza, just go stop the play in Houston and don't let him fly here. <laughs> Because that was terrible what happened with that. I mean, we're past the bad deals of the Raptors, so I don't want to see that. So, yeah. You know what? Actually, scratch Money Unis off the list, man. You just got got me thinking the wrong things there. Back in on the Terrence Jones train. I'm driving. Let's go. (laughs) All I know know is that we get another one, then we'll we'll have another one of those nice Lithuanian nights where we have the Raptors in the uh, Lithuanian colors of green, yellow, and red. (laughs) <laughs> That'd be a pretty nice jersey, though. That'd be nice to see. It would be. It would be. And uh, give me another reason, another reason for my brother-in-law to uh, get another uh, Raptors jersey. Oh yeah, <laughs> and he, he probably teaches how to say the name properly. And oh yeah, there. absolutely. Awesome. He's just going off about it. <laughs> okay, here's one thing that people I find don't talk about a lot with trade deadline, and this goes for all sports. They always talk about what can we get, how can we improve, this, that, the other. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever talks about teams around them that can actually affect them. So what I mean by that is there's teams in the Eastern Conference where they can drastically affect what happens with the Raptors going forward. And I think those three teams, if I had to just narrow it down to three, is Boston, Miami, Atlanta. Boston has a ton of cap. They have an absolutely staggering amount of picks where they can literally go out and acquire whatever the heck they want. And guess what? They're in the Atlantic Division, so they directly affect the Raptors. Not only this year, but going forward. Absolutely. Then you look at Miami. They're kind of in a little bit of cap trouble here. But Miami's I mean, still scary though, because yeah, they're just—you look at that team and it's like if they're firing and clicking on all cylinders, they can challenge anyone in the East. I agree, but now with Chris Bosh potentially having blood clots again, which is really, really saddening. Yeah. Do they, are they taking kind of a step back, or Wade's getting older? Like, I mean, I, I still wouldn't want to play them just because I feel like that'd be a tough first round series for the Raptors. But at the same time, let's say Bosh is healthy. He's the best player on their play. team right now, though. Yeah. I mean, despite the fact that Wade. For some reason, he's he's drinking from the fountain of youth this year. He, he's just finding ways to get to the hoop, and he's actually looking like the Dwayne Wade of old. Of old, now that the floor is kind of opening up since LeBron's left, he's really been taking it upon himself to attack the rim. And I mean, he's always been the kind of guy that can do that. But I mean, it seems like all those extra years of uh, letting LeBron kind of run the ship in Miami have uh, have done his legs some good. I think so. I mean, he's a guy too that always pumps it up in the big moments. Yes, absolutely. and you know, he's a winner. Yeah. You know he's, he's going to get to the free throw line too, as we've seen time and time again in his career. He's going to yeah. get the calls, even if it's not a foul. He's going to yeah. get it. That's just the way it works in the NBA, and it's not going to just suddenly change because we're in a seven-game series here. At the end of the day, the Heat are going to go as far as Dwayne Wade lets them go. Yeah, and I think the other team that uh, I mentioned was Atlanta. Much like Boston, they're kind of the flip side, though, where Atlanta has players to dish out, i.e. Horford, i.e. Jeff Teague, yeah. Kyle Korver. They have... Schroeder, well, Schroeder they're going to hold on to. But. Yeah. but they have legitimate pieces that, let's say they trade them to a team that's, I don't know, the Cavs. Or like, yeah. I'm, like, I'm just throwing random things out there. Let's say they trade to an Eastern Conference team that can directly affect the Raptors. It may not be a trade the Raptors are making, but that still affects the Raptors. 
Horford on the Cavs would almost spell certain doom for the rest of the East. Yeah, they'd probably require them to trade Kevin Love the other way. But I think still, I mean, uh, well, Horford to Boston is a real thing. That's that's that the scariest happen. one. That's the absolute scariest one because Boston's already starting to find their groove in a way that we haven't seen since uh, Pierce and Garnett and uh, and Allen were all on that team. And Brad Stevens is a damn good coach, and they'll have sustained success there for a while if Absolutely. he gets even more players that he wants. And with the abundance of draft picks they have, I feel like Boston is the one team that Raptors fans need to keep a keen eye on at the deadline because they can make a move that can truthfully affect the Raptors not just this year but going forward into the future. Yeah. So I think that's some something that people aren't talking about that they should be, to be honest. Absolutely. It completely affects everything that happens moving forward here. So knowing everything that we know now and kind of just speaking a lot amongst each other, do you think the Raptors should go all in? Do you think they should stand put, stay pat? Or do you think they should acquire a small... What do you think they should do? Because, I mean, there's a lot of differing opinions... What do you think? In my honest opinion, looking around and seeing everything that we're seeing, stay the course. I, I think even despite whatever Boston puts together, whatever it is that Cleveland, whatever moves they make at the trade deadline at the same time, we've been talking about this upcoming offseason for the last two, three years and about how important it is for the Raptors and all the cap space that they have available and the run at the big free agent that everyone was talking about. This team, I believe, needs to do... Two things. One, stay the course to show that they can win in the playoffs so that they can attract that big free agent that says, you know what, I joined this team, I can put them over the top. And if they can, if they do that, I believe that it's going to set them up for much better success in the following seasons than trying to make a big splash right now. I totally agree with everything you said right there, especially in terms of winning to kind of show, let's, let's be real. To show Kevin Durant that this franchise has growth and a guy like him can put them over the top. I know it's a pipe dream, Kevin Durant, but seeing what happened All-Star Weekend, hearing what players are saying, people around the league, the Raptors and the city of Toronto as a whole is on a rise in the basketball market. So keep that option open. The only thing I would do is I would go get a guy like Terrence Jones. It It doesn't have to be him, just somebody like him that doesn't affect your cap too much, is an expiring contract, doesn't require you to give up a lot of assets, but can help your team right now. Basically, addition without subtracting is what I would want to do with the Raptors. And they're capable of doing that because they, they have the four first-round picks. Absolutely. So that's it. And I would, like you said, stay the course. Why? Not necessarily why ruin a good thing, but why risk ruining a good thing when you can improve it without having to lose much? I don't see why you would do that for the Raptors. It doesn't make any sense. Stick with what you got. Go guns a-blazing with the, with the Cavs and... This is your core, right? Lowry, DeRozan, Carroll. Like, these are the guys you feel you can win with. It's about time they go show us. It's true. I mean, two straight first-round exits against teams that, let's be honest, they were better than. Yes. This, this <laughs> team And this team is better than those two teams. This is it. They've got to show and prove. Because if they go out early again... It completely it opens the door for just about anybody leaving. It question, it brings into question the entire core and what yes. we have here, and I I just I can't see it happening. I can't. And I'm going to be real bold here for a second. And I'll, I'll throw this out there. It's something that I'm working on writing. Is uh, Vince Carter has one of the most profound impacts in the city of Toronto in sports because of what he did for the Raptors in basketball. But that was just a short term thing. Lowry and DeRozan have a chance to, uh, what I think, is have a greater impact than Carter did, where they can take Toronto basketball and push it over the top by taking this team further into, let's say, they go to the Eastern Conference Finals, yeah. or they get to an NBA title. 
they're going to be forever immortalized in Toronto basketball as the guys that got them there. Yep. Vince is the guy that kind of started it. Yeah. But Lowry and DeRozan have a chance to really put a stamp on Toronto, not just basketball, but sports by getting there. And that's got to be something they're aware of is that they can take this to a level nobody's ever seen. If that doesn't get your blood going and your juices flowing as a competitor, <laughs> you got to do it. Chris, one last question before we end this. What would you give up for Vince Carter from the Memphis Grizzlies? Um, he's got two years, one year remaining on his. This is his. Uh, he's in the middle of his deal, which is probably the final deal of his career. What would I give up? What would you give up? The least possible thing, because I just want him to come yeah. retire here. That's it. Yeah. I don't want to give up anything that would be valuable. I know people are saying, "Man, Vince can still get up. Vince can still do it in practice. Vince's head is still above the rim." That's all great, but can Vince contribute to us in a way that's going to help us? I don't know. I, I would try not to give up a lot. Scary thought. I, there's there's an addition by not subtracting anything. Yeah, I they feel pick like up a, a guy pick. like him. They pick up a guy like him. I'm not I'm not lying. Pick up a guy like them who's like him who's been there. Look at all the playoff experience he's gained. All of the times that he's shown his longevity throughout his entire career since leaving Toronto. His ability, not only that, but just to become a legitimate team player, a guy who's accepted whatever role has been given to him whenever he's joined a new team, and he's done it with the most class and dignity you can think of. What? How? I mean, what would hurt in a guy like Vince putting his arm around uh, uh, Terrence Ross and saying, hey, you didn't make these shots tonight, but let me tell you something, kid. He's like, you keep working at this, 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 and this, you're going to be just fine. And imagine, keep in mind, look at a guy like Vince and a guy like Terrence as far as their similarities go and how Terrence is now as a guy who's primarily a spot-up three-shooter, but he knows he can attack the room when he needs to. And look at what Vince morphed himself into later on in his career. A guy who was a pull-up three-shooter. A guy was who guy a guy was able to spread the floor like that and occasionally attack the rim. So there's one thing that you're missing with Vince, and it's something the Raptors need: is defense. Vince, Vince never liked playing defense. He liked it to a certain level where it got the game going and all that, but that's never yeah. been a strong suit. So and that's why he only gets four minutes a game, <laughs> <laughs> pretty much. And if you're gonna talk about having a guy to score and teaching somebody and this, that, the other, we had that on the bench already. Jerry Stackhouse, an assistant coach. People forget the stack man filled the cup up like it was nobody's That's business true. in the late 2000s, yep. early 2000s. Yep. Got I, a ring off it. Do you need Vince Carter there to kind of nurture these guys when stack man's there to do that? So damn it, Chris, I want <laughs> him on the team. <laughs> no, I know everybody does. I know everybody does, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it's got to be something that's peanuts, man. You got to be man. giving away nothing because it's going to affect your cap too. Anthony better. Yeah, you know, man. Before we get into all this VC talk, let's let's get out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> get out of here. <laughs> And that was this episode of the TOT cast. Of course, my name's Ryan Greco, being joined by uh, Chris O'Kranitz. Uh, if you liked what you're hearing, be sure to like us on Facebook at Tip of the Tower and our page there. Uh, also, be sure to hit us up on Twitter at Tip of the Tower. Uh, if you want to reach out to me personally, you can hit me on Twitter at Ryan Greco416. Be sure to reach out to Chris O'Kranitz at Chris O'Kranitz. And of course, finally, be sure to subscribe us on iTunes for the TOT cast. Everyone, have yourself a uh, fantastic day and happy trade deadline.